0: Today's episode of 1% Better is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. With fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, Stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to 1%.Robinhood.com. That's 1, the number 1%, the word percent, Robinhood.com, 1%.Robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation or solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co.fees. The free stock program is subject to a certain limitation. Annual percentage yield APY on invested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank.
1: Ultimately, you know, going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, how you doing? It's Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. It's another episode of 1% Better. Definitely into the Colts offseason now, but we're going to stay with you as uh, often as we can. So you know, on a somewhat weekly basis with some exceptions, but uh, there's always stuff to talk about. There's always interest in the Colts. So offseason or not. We're here, Zach. What's going on? You getting some rest? Um, are we, are we, are we back to our normal
0: lifestyle here? This is a weird off season for us because we haven't had one like mm-hmm. this in quite a while. Because if you go back to last year, they had the playoff run and we were on the road. Remember at the end of the season and then for two weeks into the oh, playoffs, yeah. and it was a long time after that to catch my breath. And then before that, there was the coaching search and the McDaniel's fiasco. Before that, there was the GM search. Before that, I mean, you could go on and on. So. Weird off season. Mm. It's only January sixteenth, and it feels like they've been done playing football for about a month.
1: I know, and so it it's interesting. Um, this wasn't necessarily top of mind, but but the playoffs have really had this sort of AFC South flavor, and it's 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 given us, I think, an opportunity to kind of, uh, I guess, contrast the Colts. I mean, the Colts. Uh, yeah. I've gotten a lot of responses from readers, you know, and. Just fans generally just about like, hey, you know, what does this mean? What does this say? You know, the Colts beat these teams. They played tough against them. They lost to them. You know, and it's been interesting. I right. I, I gotta agree. It's been interesting. Uh, Houston, they beat
0: both AFC finalists yeah. on the road. Houston, Kansas, Kansas City, City, and Tennessee, Tennessee. Three teams involved they beat last weekend Houston too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you look at what Tennessee's done. Look, they were two and four. Colts beat them in week two in Tennessee. Um, they threw in Ryan Tannehill. No one thought. No one gave him a chance. And, you know, talking to people around the league this week, the job Mike Frabel's done. Holy crap. Yeah, He's been terrific. He's been quietly one of the better coaches in football this year. And that's sort of a team that, you know, they're just going to run it up the gut. And Tannehill doesn't have to beat you. He can. He's proven that late in the season. But um, I didn't see this coming from Tennessee at all. And um, the opposite can be said of Houston's flameout last week. In oh. Kansas City, I mean, twenty-four to zero, and then to absolutely just get throttled, fifty-one to seven. From there, were you surprised to see the the chorus from Houston media saying it's time for Bill O'Brien to go, or was that something you felt like was coming? You know, I got to say, I I didn't necessarily anticipate it, but then I got to
1: thinking about it, and I was like, well, wait a minute. So you're telling me let's let's run down what Houston has had here. Uh, you're talking about a quarterback. Who is not necessarily, you know, sort of a top five guy yet, but he's heading in that direction and he's Oh, he's an MVP
0: guy one day, yeah. Yeah,
1: he's gonna be clearly one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL for a long time, potentially. And then you've got what I think could be the best wide receiving group in the NFL, potentially. You know, we could argue about it, but certainly the top three. You've got a generational defensive player in JJ Watt. He's been hurt a lot. I get that. Yeah. And and he's missed a lot of time in that that has obviously in the last few years been a factor, but uh, you saw the impact he has when he's played in recent weeks, and then you've got you know sort of I think a, a front seven that still you know is pretty good. They've got some guys there like merciless and guys like that. Their defense has not played up to its potential, in my opinion, you know, given the personnel that they have. So so they look at all of that, and then you look at the the miscues from Bill O'Brien. You look at the head scratching play calling in certain situations. And then why are they having yeah. to call a timeout when you knew you were going to go for it on fourth down? How do you not have a play? Like, what is that? You know, it's like, these are the things people said about Chuck Pagano and they couldn't
0: wait for him to get fired. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Yep. It's a weird dilemma because they've won four out of, I think it's four out of six AFC South titles, right? Yeah. So you're stuck in this middle ground of like, yeah, we're good enough to get there. We're good enough to believe we can go far. And they've never gone past the second round. They've never played in a conference championship game. And that's where the frustration comes in because DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, these guys are not going to be in their primes forever. And Watt, I don't know how much more time Watt has. He's getting hurt every year. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like Tennessee's the team that's coming in the AFC South. we got a long way to go. But um, interesting to see Houston flame out the way they did because, my God, Patrick Mahomes got hot. And when he does, there's probably nothing better to watch in football.
1: Right. And so uh, there's a larger point here to make, and it's this the AFC South. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about that because the Colts are. uh, All right. Let me back up. I want to throw this in there for context. So the Colts have been watching this play out. You know, people in the building uh, on the staff, they've been watching this play out and with as much interest as you have as a fan. And, you know, they think it's a way to measure themselves as well. Trust me. And I got a text from someone. Pretty high up in the organization the other day <laughs> during the weekends games and says, you know, yeah. we're not as far away as people think. And I was like, all right, that's one interpretation. Uh okay. You buy that? Uh I, I think it's probably largely true. And and here's why. I think that I think that they, they have matched up with all those teams as we laid out. And and we know exactly why they fell short, I think, in most cases. Um, you know, Tennessee, for yeah. example. Uh, they gave Tennessee a couple big plays in that game, and the, the pump block, for example, being a big one. Uh, then the big shot play at the end. That game was really decided by a couple plays, and so yeah. I think that's what they're harping on. And then the Houston game, same kind of thing. The second Houston game on the road, Colts played them even, you know, exactly. pretty much for four, three and a half quarters. But but the problem is they don't have enough right now, and I think they know that. But but that's still that still can be true that. Maybe we're not that far away. The, the question is, is what you're missing hard to find? <laughs> and and that's
0: going to be what the question. What was holding Tennessee back? It's very obvious. Yeah. We, we covered all these games. Andrew Luck never lost a game in his career to the Tennessee Titans. The thing that was holding the Tennessee Titans back was the quarterback. Right. We saw it in week two. It was obvious to us in week two in Nashville. They made the change. And I'm not saying Ryan H- Tannehill's a world beater, but he's played exceptionally well, and, and that changed everything for that franchise. So I think that text you got speaks to this. No, it's not easy to find that solution. We're talking about a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But once you do, it's amazing how quickly things can change. And I think the Colts have a pretty good roster around that. That's really the only question that they have this offseason. I mean, there's some other ones for sure, but that's the biggest one. And that's the one that they're going to have to answer. And it's not going to go away because it's going to be what we're talking about on here every week. Because you see what Tennessee has done with Ryan Tannehill. And you saw what the Colts did with Jacoby Brissett. And that's lose seven of their last nine. Right, so
1: I just think it's it's been I think the the playoffs for me the last couple of weeks that really has been uh, the emphasis uh, I think just sort of a not emphasis that's the wrong word but maybe more of a, a theme I guess uh, in the background watching this play out you know obviously you enjoy the games and all that but I've really been thinking about it in terms of man this is interesting because you know we lived it we, we lived this with the Colts you know we see yeah. them. Uh, each game, each week, we saw all these games. We've seen them play these teams over and over and over over the years. So we're so familiar with these teams. And uh, it, it just, I think, has really brought this really close to home. So it's been a very
0: interesting exercise. One last thing on on this, and I want to get your take. And I think, I think there's this national perception from people who don't watch the AFC South closely that it's, that it's a crap division. I think yeah. they've always had this. And I think it's because these teams have never competed – you know, for Super Bowls. A lot of them have never been in the Super Bowl or not for 20 years. Um, And the Colts beat up these teams for years. That's a big part. His his AFC South record. Andrew Luck, you know, during the Chuck Pagano days, I think they won 19 straight against AFC South. The AFC South teams weren't good, but I think the national perception has lingered that these teams have never been good and that are not good this year and that it's always a bad division. They had three of the four final teams in the you know, they had two, they almost were a Houston collapse away from having the two finalists in the AFC okay. um and they've had years where they've had three of the teams in the in the playoffs so um i think that almost happened last its, year yeah it's going to take a while it's going to take a while for that to change but i think people are not seeing Tennessee as this fluke team that just got hot If you can't stop Derrick Henry, I think they're a tough team to beat no matter who you are. I mean, they look at what they've done. They went into Foxborough and beat Brady. They went into Baltimore and beat the MVP in Lamar Jackson. So these are not fluke wins that they've done in some weird way. They've literally pounded these teams down. So um, I think maybe maybe this season will help the AFC South get a little bit more respect, but it'll probably take some time because um, they haven't won the big one yet. Yeah, I think
1: you're absolutely right. And I think you know, human nature is that we – perceptions stay with us, right? And right, and one of the right. things the, is the that – The Packers
0: are always the same team. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And so we we do have these identities that just kind of stick with us. when We see teams, we see them in a certain light, even if they haven't been that team for like three years. So that happens, and you're right about the Peyton and Luck era for the most part, yeah. you know, those yeah. teams didn't really have much of a shot. And and I think there was a lot of dominance in there. And you come to look at the AFC South, like, ah, oh, yeah, that's the Colts' other teams are they're crap. But that has certainly not been true in recent years, as you yeah. pointed out. If Houston, you watch, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Houston has ruled this division really in the last few years. And and the and the thing about Tennessee, I really, really believe. It. I think it's sustainable. I don't know what's going to happen with, with Tannehill. Maybe they franchise them. I don't know. But uh, I think he's a big piece of the future for the, the the immediate future, at least if they do that. But but even if they don't, if there's a change at quarterback, if they have a competent starter there, that's going to be a team that has to be contended with because they're not built on flash. They're not built on you know sort of a, a speed guy or this or that. I mean, they're they just going to line up and they're going to punch you in the mouth. They are old school, and they are Mike Vrabel. I mean, that is that is Mike Vrabel. Remember.
0: Who interviewed for the Colts job that was open that went yes. to Frank Reich? Yes. Rabel. And he, he had I think really he was a finalist, the Colts. by the way. Finalist, he was a finalist. And I think the Colts wanted to go offense. They wanted a offensive savant to go with Andrew Luck for right. the first time in his career um and i think that was the that was the decision but i don't think it was because mike Vrabel did not have a great interview because i know that he did so right um you're seeing some really really good coaching down there in tennessee right now and that's a team you know they're not going to let Tannehill go anywhere if if they're if they're smart so that's a team that's coming for a couple years and houston's not going anywhere either so life in the afc south is a is a, is a lot more difficult than it used to be
1: yeah i i just think that that is something – it's a good thing because you want things to be competitive, uh, but if you are leading the Colts organization, it probably gives you, you know some sleepless nights. You're, you're going to have to work harder for this. It, there's no question about it, and I think that's why it's a really pivotal time because uh, it's, it's not just going to be sort of a plug-and-play situation for the Colts. They, they have to keep building. They have to keep working because uh, they're going to have to scratch and claw, and uh, we'll see what happens in Jacksonville, but there are no easy wins there. As we know, <laughs> okay, yeah, everyone there <laughs> since 2014. It's incredible <laughs> playoffs or no playoffs, they can't win in Jacksonville, and so even good teams have lost there. So, yeah, I, I think that we have to really look at this division in a much different light, and I know the Colts do. And I think people in the division do. I think they all have a healthy respect. Everybody beats everybody, right? So it's not like, uh, even though Houston's been winning, everybody can beat everybody, and that has happened consistently for the last few years. But uh, I really think there's they have a sustainable model in Tennessee. Houston's not going anywhere because of the reasons we already outlined. Uh, whatever JJ Watt's future is, they still have. They're loaded on offense. So the coach, you know, they'll figure that out. But, yeah, I mean, these these are teams that are not going anywhere. So the coach is going to have to contend with that. And national media can like it or not like it, but <laughs> the AFC South is going to be a factor, I think. You know, I really believe, believe that. I think it's one of the toughest divisions in the league right now. So it's uh, going to be very interesting. Uh, I think that, you know, this weekend it will be interesting. I, I want to see that Tennessee-Kansas City matchup just because I think it's – a sort of a redux of what we saw in Kansas City uh, in terms of the point. matchup,
0: right? And uh, that's that's Tennessee's game plan, right? Yeah, I mean, that's it's They want to do exactly what the Colts did in Week Five. It has to be. Uh, so I'm really
1: interested to see if that blueprint can work again. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it can. I think it it certainly worked for the Colts, and I, I think that it's all the, it's all there on tape. You know, and the difference for Tennessee is they can make some big plays you know they've got some guys who can who can do that so uh one other thing i talked about a text from someone in the organization there was another text exchange i had about tennessee and this tennessee kansas city game and that particular individual said you know what i think this game is going to be a lot tougher than people anticipate i think a lot of people see this as a game kansas city runs away with they might but I really think that Tennessee is going to make this so hard on them, and
0: I think they're going to have to really earn it and buckle their chin strap. So we will see. I mean, if they if they lay down like they did in the first quarter against Houston, if they do that this weekend against Derrick Henry, the Titans are going to get up, maybe seven, maybe fourteen, mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying Kansas City can't rebound from that because we just saw that. Sure, but it's a lot tougher against against Tennessee, and Tennessee is going to shorten the game they're going to run the ball they're going to control the clock they're going to do exactly what the Colts did back in October it's going to be a much more difficult game and they're not going to make the coaching mistakes Bill Ryan made last week in Kansas City as well so that's a real I'm really really anticipating this game I think the I think the NFC game I think that's going to be San Francisco but um, the AFC game is going to be really interesting to see how the style unfolds in that one because I really have liked the way Tennessee's played the last couple weeks right so Uh, Speaking of championship weekend, uh, we'll have a quick word here
1: from DraftKings. So, Conference Championship Week is here. Four teams, two games, so little time left in the season. So, don't miss out. Get in on all the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on, DraftKings has great promotions. Running every day, from odds boosts to free bets, they have it all. This week only, bet any star player to score the first TD of the game with 10-1 to odds. Doesn't get any any better than that. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw at your convenience. And to top it off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign up offer to date right now. You don't want to miss this. So download the top rated sports, excuse me, DraftKings Sportsbook app, and use the code FAST F A S T when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget that's code FAST and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash book for details gambling problem call 1-800-9-WITH-IT and uh just as a quick segue there uh I, I got a kick out of reading uh bob kravitz's uh story on the athletic this week about <laughs> some of these guys who have taken advantage of the the legalized gambling, sports gambling in indiana yeah, very uh very
0: timely unbelievable like uh, cottage industry like <laughs> How funny was that line about the guy that was like, anytime I was watching a Pacers game and they put Lance in, especially at home, I'll just put a couple hundred bucks down on the Pacers. And we know it. You know it. Everybody who watched the Pacers in those days knows that they would play better with Lance on the floor. And this guy cleaned up with Lance Stevenson out on the floor. So uh, fascinating piece from Bob there on, on gambling in the state. Uh, this is not related to that whatsoever, but you mentioned Lance, and I got to get a Lance
1: line in because who doesn't love Lance? And so my ten year old daughter, you know, occasionally we go to a playoff, excuse me, a uh, Pacers game, and uh, still to this day we go to Pacers game. And she's like, Dad, where's Lance? And I'm like, sweetheart. Hmm. remember we told you? I, I told you he's not here anymore. She's like, Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Like it's it's all she cares about. <laughs> so she like she fell in love with Lance Stevenson, was just like seven years old, and ask still ask every single time. So anyway, I think that's kind of funny. So we've talked a lot about the division, Zach. Um, the Colts got some issues themselves, um, it, you know, specifically the Colts. How do they get there, right, I guess is the question. Right. Um, so, you know, I'll be down in Mobile next week. The Senior Bowl's starting in uh, Mobile, Alabama. The workouts, the Colts will be there, certainly scouting. Uh, there will be some quarterbacks in town, Jordan Love among them, um, Certainly, some others that may be of interest. Six quarterbacks in total. Um, just you know, what do you think? For you, I should say, what what do you think? Forget about who it who it might be if they draft a quarterback because we can't know that now. But but what? Yeah, do you they think, don't know that now. Yeah, they don't know, right? But you know Chris Ballard, and you know kind of how. Frank Reich thinks and those sort of things. Just what do you think is going to be sort of the deciding factor for – well, what's the chief deciding factors, do you think? Like, like what's going to sell them on a quarterback? Other than just like, oh, this guy's arm is good, this, this, and that. You know, we know all those checklists. But what do you think is going to sell them on this guy? Because I think they're looking for a lot of intangibles that – it seems like they're
0: really, really important to them. And it should be, right? It's a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question because – it's going to play a huge role in this. And it's sort of that intangible, inexplainable feeling that these guys get in these interviews. Right. Um, I think we cannot underestimate the role Frank Reich will play in this. He's played a big role in them recruiting certain offensive free agents the last couple of years. Uh, and that will continue because that's his baby. I mean, it's his offense, right? Um, and he absolutely has a say in the personnel decisions that are made on that side of the ball. So when they're looking at the most important position, um, the things that pop out to me from talking to people over the years are they want a guy that can process things quickly, and then they want a guy with downfield accuracy. That's the football stuff, right? So right. we're talking the other stuff. And I think Chris Ballard made an interesting point when we talked to him on January 2nd after the season, and we threw as many quarterback questions out there as we could, was, was look, every every intangible is important with every guy, right? I mean, they're going to go through this process with every player at every position, but he said it's even more important with that position because let's just fast forward this. Let's say they take a guy in round one or round two. Jacoby's not going anywhere. Jacoby's on the roster. So you got Jacoby and you got new guy. How are they going to interact? How is, how is the new guy going to handle the pressure of both being a backup to Jacoby Brissett and also probably likely the future in Indianapolis? That yep. could be an awkward situation. And that's been a situation in a lot of other cities that's gone poorly Um, it's rare when it goes well and the the process plays out seamlessly. It's very, very rare. So I think those are sort of the things they're going to be looking at. Like essentially, how will you handle things when they go poorly? How will you handle things when they're tough? And I know that that's an important thing for Chris Ballard, and I know that's an interview thing that they talk about. And let's not um, overplay the role that Brian Decker is going to play in this. You've written about him. I wrote Mm -hmm. about him last year. Um, I found this really, really fascinating, and I still do from talking to people around the league about the role that Brian Decker plays in player evaluation. So for those who don't know, he's a former Marine. He wanted to get into football, and he had some struggles early on in terms of breaking into the league. He worked for the Browns for a bit, and then Ballard scooped him up. And he does everything besides the football stuff. So he doesn't measure arm strength or any of that stuff. That's what the scouts are for. That's what Ballard does. Brian Decker does everything else. He does these long interviews with these guys, and he uses a system that he devised in the Green Berets. Essentially, a military mental strength aptitude evaluation. That's a bad way to put it, but that's what he's doing. and It's really fascinating talking to Brian over the last year or so about the things he learns from guys and the things he doesn't and how he evaluates them. And so one of the big things will be how they handle difficult situations, and they'll have to provide examples for that in terms of situations they've been in in their career or off the field that have been challenging and how they responded. I think that's a huge part because I think no matter who you bring in, it's not going to just be, here's the team. It's going to be difficult. You're going to have to earn the respect of the locker room. That's something Jacoby Brissett has done. So there's so many different ways this could go. And I think just because the Colts draft a quarterback, if they do, it doesn't mean he's going to be the answer. It doesn't mean he's going to be good. So fans need to accept the fact that once they draft him, the work really starts in terms of right. they need to help this kid take the next steps to become a good pro. And I think that's what the evaluation will be, um, if that makes sense at all. But I think that sort of intangible, beyond-the-game, mental cognition stuff that Decker's going to do I think Brian Decker will be an underrated role. Will have an underrated role in this evaluation over the next couple of months. And it starts in a big way at the at the uh, Senior Bowl next week. As you know, yeah, the Colts love the Senior Bowl. Half their draft picks are from the Senior Bowl every year.
1: Yep, no question. And and I think that first of all, such a great point about Brian Decker. And I think it, you know if you can, he applied or devised these methods because they were having too many washouts in there. And, and sort of their recruiting for the Green Berets, guys wouldn't make it through the program because it's really Correct. hard. It's hard as shit, right? So yeah. it's not Kinda meant like for like the you. NFL. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. How many guys wash out of the NFL, right? Guys who you watch them in college and like, I can't believe that guy didn't make it. Why didn't he make it? Well, why didn't he make it, Brian Decker? Well, that's his job, to figure out why guys make it, why guys don't make it. And I think oftentimes that is about much more than talent and the mental is such a huge part of it. So, I think that's that's huge, especially for the most mental position on the field and not just in right. terms of Xs and Os. I mean, it's mental in terms of uh, having to stay in the moment and composure and all of those things for the quarterback is just huge. But I think you the other the other I guess area uh, of those intangibles would be the leadership for, and which is also something that Brian Decker tries to measure as well. The leadership ability is really key because uh, that's something that that Frank Reich over and over and over emphasizes about Jacoby Brissett. It's like it seems like it's one of the things he loves the most about him. I'm not suggesting that's going to win him right. a Super Bowl because I don't think it right. will, but it it's definitely not. right. But it definitely ranks high for them. And so whatever talent this guy has, whoever they acquire, they also want a guy who can. Do some of the things that Jacoby Brissett has done and rally his team, and you know, Jacoby, it's it's it is interesting. Despite his struggles, the one thing he has been able to do is rally his team around or have his team rally around him, and that's because he is engaged with them all the time, and and they right. know, all right, he's our guy, and it, there's no question right. about it. He's not timid about it. Anything, I mean, he's in your face. Right, he lets you know and he's got a confidence about him in that way and those are not things that you come out of the womb with you have to develop that so where did so, he learn that oh let's think, think about that i think he learned yeah. that in uh foxborough massachusetts with uh, yep. old tom brady yep
0: yep and, i think he mimics so much of what he does from from what he saw from brady and look i mean that that's that's a thing jacoby has and we can argue all right. day about whether he's good enough as a quarterback and we've talked about that a lot but in terms of the intangible leadership stuff they're in on that with him i right. mean this was Two days after Andrew Luck retired, Jacoby stood in front of the entire team, fifty-three guys, and said, "I'm not going to be twelve. I'm not going to be Andrew. I'm going to be me." And the guys bought into that, and it's a genuine belief. Now, I'm not saying he's the long-term answer at quarterback. We saw the same game right. late in the season, but in terms of that stuff, that's what you want in that position, like you're talking about. So that's what they're going to have to try and find out.
1: Yeah. So it's a it's a real big puzzle. You know, it's. Um, you can watch all the film all day long. There's there's still a lot more to that puzzle that they'll have to figure out. And and I just think for the Colts, and, and every team may be different, but for them, and that's all I know. I know the Colts. I don't know what everybody else is doing. But I know for them, this stuff ranks pretty high. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. But there are other matters, Zach, uh, to, to address this offseason. We still, Zach, don't have an answer on Anthony Costanzo and – that's a, That one there is, I think, starting to – I don't want to say concern me. That's the wrong word. But, like, I'm starting to wonder where that's going to yeah. go. And I've been I, thinking about that too. Yeah. Look, we saw Luke Kuechly uh, step away from the game this week. Great player. Great, great player. Uh, passionate player. I mean, a guy – you talk about a guy who gave everything, right? I mean, uh, certainly has had his share of head injuries – which you know yeah. you feel you feel for him that way. I understand his decision, but then you know I thought about that and and I was like, you know what, you know, I, Anthony Costanzo would be so less surprising than Luke Keekley stepping away for me. You know, yeah. it, it would be much yeah. easier to envision Anthony Costanzo stepping away just because we know Anthony. You know, and I don't know. I, I'm not going to ask you to predict it, but um, where would they be? Do you think? I mean, are they ready to
0: to cope with that potential? possibility no not at the moment yeah. um it's 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 another headache that they don't need um but like i said a couple weeks ago on the podcast you need to prepare for this whether he's there next season or I agree. not you need to prepare for this because this is a premier position this is a hard as hell position to fill well and yeah it's gonna help that quentin nelson's playing to this guy's right side whoever this new guy is whenever he shows up this year or in three years but um, I, I don't know if it's a bad thing that we haven't heard. It's only been two weeks. It feels right. like it's been longer, but it's only been two or three weeks since the end of the season. You know, we haven't even played the conference championship games. Let's say Anthony Cassano said, give me a month. You know, that's totally yeah. reasonable. Yeah. But this is a guy that starts his offseason training two weeks after the season ends every single year. And he's religious about his training, even if they're going on a vacation, him and his wife. He makes sure to plan his training sessions around that. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with him, but to be perfectly honest, it wouldn't surprise me if this is it. It just, it, I, it just kind of got that sense, um, talking to him the day they cleaned their lockers out. I mean, he was like, look, this is personal. I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, I'm considering some things. I got some things to think about. I got some things I need to work through. Um, and at this point, it feels like It'd be hard to kind of get that motivation again because you're not playing a game in a week. You're you're going to train in a week, you know, and you got six months of training. And maybe Anthony's a little bit weird and he likes the training, but I feel like the motivation would be harder to get right now mm. than it would be in July or August when it's football season again. But look, every guy's different, and we'll see what happens. But um, the Colts need to prepare for the eventuality that they don't they don't have a good left tackle, and they need to go find one.
1: Yeah, I, I think that. At his age, anyhow, and the fact that he is entertaining uh, retirement, I think that tells you where, where you are as an organization and, right. and what you need to do. So they know they, it They know that. So yeah. And I think it's okay that he hasn't decided yet, to be clear, because, I mean, they'd love to know, like, yesterday. But but at the same time, uh, it, it's not preventing them from doing anything because there's nothing you can do about it now anyway. You They, yes. they should be working on uh, considering options anyway. Uh, because they know it's a it's a potential outcome, and so they'll be evaluating possibilities next week, I'm sure, and and through free agency and what have you. And uh, when the decision comes, if it happens, then you're ready to act accordingly. But there's nothing you can do now. You can't replace them now. You can't sign somebody. Uh, we're not even done with the current season. So, but it, it, you know, it's a matter of you know how much of a priority is that pos- is that position. I think it doesn't matter, as you said, it's a priority no matter what. I feel. Uh, at at bet, worst case scenario, you're going to have some great depth at tackle because they don't have that now, in my opinion. So yeah. we, we have
0: another no, guy, like, not not at all. I mean, that's a, no that's the biggest <laughs> drop off on the team. I think like, got Larry Clark basically. Up. Yeah, and he's a free agent I mean, anyway.
1: So yeah, uh, so another guy we haven't heard from, and this doesn't mean anything, but um, it's just interesting to talk about. Another guy we haven't heard from is uh Adam Vinatieri. He He has expressed an interest in wanting to play again, (laughs) and we know the, the situation there. Uh, I kind of wonder how that's going to go. So, if you're Chris Ballard, do you just like not return his phone calls or like, how's that go? <laughs> you know, if and when he calls. <laughs> it's like, oh man, did you call me? I, I, I dude, I spaced. I'm sorry. Wait, we uh, still want to play? It was for real? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Cause, you know, Chase has been out here kicking and he looks pretty good. I thought, you know, we're just going to, yeah, so I don't know. They do have Chase McLaughlin, as you know, you saw him kick what the last, uh, Five, four games, I believe, and he was yeah, more than they adequate. signed him to a
0: one year deal for a reason. He's he's the yeah. kicker next year. I mean let's I not like let's not overcomplicate this. Let's not let let emotions get involved in this. I mean
1: I think they'll we bring spent, in
0: competition, but that's fine. We spent that's
1: different than saying five hours of, of combined
0: podcast time. Yeah, I think they will, yeah. They will. Yeah, yeah. But we spent so much time talking about the kicking situation <laughs> all year. We don't need to go back to those dark, dark days. I mean, the fans they they, they through that. Right. Uh, here's the thing:
1: if he's coming off knee surgery, whether whether Benetieri kicks here or goes somewhere else, if he actually goes through with this, but he, you're talking about a guy who who struggled through this injury. Do you feel better uh, about a 46 year old guy coming off knee surgery? Because I mean, there's an no. acclimation period no. coming off injuries. You know, generally, it's not, not exactly the same. <laughs>
0: like no, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, that means Adams probably not kicking footballs until the middle of the summer. I mean, right. maybe later. Um, How do you even evaluate? So the Colts him? absolutely have to prepare. Yeah, like he's not the guy, and I don't think he will be. Um, I think what needs to happen is they need to have a long talk, and I think Jim Mersey needs to be present, and they need to tell him what they told Reggie Wayne, and that's that we love you, and that you're gonna we're gonna put your name up in the Ring of Honor in a couple years, and. You're one of the best players to ever wear this jersey, because that's absolutely true. Remove the New England days. Adam Vinatieri is still yeah. one of the best players to ever play no for this organization. No question. And we're going we're gonna to have a nice retirement press conference, and we want you to go out as a Colt. Um, I don't know what Adam Vinatieri says to that. It sounds like he wants to play again. We'll see how his rehab goes. He's got nothing to prove. He's got nothing left out there to achieve. Um, but that's also what made him such a great kicker for so many years was that he just continued to defy the odds. I mean, he shouldn't have even made it in the league. I wrote mm-hmm. a big, long story a couple of years ago about like his third game as a pro. He was, he, was, he was one kick away from getting kicked out of the NFL, and he wouldn't have made it back because his numbers were so god-awful. <laughs> and Bill Parcell has told him in no uncertain terms, if you miss this kick, just run straight to the locker room because you're not coming back on this, on this field. and he made the kick and 24 (laughs) years later he is the all-time leading scorer in the NFL but um, we'll get to all that stuff at some point um, because Adam Vinatieri won't kick forever but um, this needs to be 100% done the Colts cannot entertain the idea of bringing him back that's just how I feel about it um, and I think any objective observer of this football team this year understands that I agree,
1: totally so we'll see uh in in addition to all those things you laid out jim mercy can tell him yeah, in addition to ring of honor and great retirement party press conference etc he'll throw him one hell of a party when he goes to canton by the way because jim mercy oh, yeah. does not do things
0: uh half-assed so speaking of canton this is a good aside yes we were chatting about this on our we've got a group chat with a couple cults writers and there's a good chance, maybe a good chance Edgerin makes it next week. Um, I don't know for definitely, sure. If definitely a decent chance. Yeah. I feel like it's a better chance than he's had. It's his best um, chance, I feel like. Yeah. Let's say Edge makes it. What would you <laughs> do to go to that party when oh he makes God. the Hall of Fame? Well, first of all. <laughs> the guy parties for a living.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like what, what, is, what, is a, what, what constitutes a party for Edgerin James? It's like a party for Edgerin James
0: means Tuesday. So <laughs> that would be, I mean, just being a fly on the wall in that party and then trying to write about it the next day would be the most epic journalistic assignment in Colt's history. I'm well, no, there would it.
1: be no story because you would be dead. Okay. So, <laughs> right. That's there would be a story. That's true. So, that's true. Like,
0: Zach died He went to Edge's party <laughs> So Hey he At least he tried He went out on top Right, right, he, right, right. he took the toughest assignment ever And he, and he failed
1: <laughs> He loved what he did And he went out Doing his job You know What a dedicated right. servant uh, Yeah I mean It would be epic There's no question about it And the other thing That that we had uh, we, we mentioned in our, our Group chat Was that The next few years Are very interesting I mean We've got
0: I think what is Peyton a couple of years away from eligibility? Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so we retired after the 16 season. Or, yeah. So 21, I think.
1: Yeah. So we're talking about right now. There's. I don't know if all these guys make it. They may not make it. You know, in terms of Edron and Reggie Wayne being the other one, they, they may not make it. I don't know. We'll see. But they do have a chance. And uh, the best case scenario, if it happens, is you know you could have Colts going in here. Uh, in each of the next three years, or actually, Reggie's eligible this year. I don't think he makes it, but but certainly he's in the conversation for the next few years. And uh, it's going to be a really, I think, potentially epic time for, for Colts fans uh, from that golden era that, you know, it, it's going to continue too because Peyton will go in and at some point, one day, Vinny will go in, <laughs> Okay, if he ever yeah. retires. Yep. So yep. It, it just really speaks to that golden age, man, and I just – I think that the further you get away from it, uh, for me at least, uh, the, it's like the further you get away from it, the more you start to appreciate just how unbelievable it was. Because right. no other team in this era has done it. There's only one one other team that has done it. And, and certainly has done it on another level. But the New England Patriots, are the only other team that has a run that can even be compared to the one the Colts had. So I mean uh, It's, 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 it's remarkable. absurd to just think
0: about it in terms of Hall of Fame, executive bill polian hall of fame coach tony dungy hall of fame quarterback whenever Peyton goes in which is uh you know next year mm-hmm. hall of fame wide receiver and marvin harrison borderline hall of famer running back in edward james borderline mm-hmm. hall of famer and reggie wayne another receiver um i mean you've got mathis and freeney who are, are not going to make the mm-hmm. hall of fame but ring of honor guys no doubt you know two of the most feared pass rushers of their era. You had a Defensive Player of the Year in Bob Sanders. It was quite a run. And, boys, you know, they're going to be adding guys to the Ring of Honor every year for some time because they've got so many great guys that need to get up there. Robert you know, Mathis will probably be next year because uh, yeah, free so went good. in this year and, and Mathis is a no-brainer.
1: You, you know what's interesting is uh, as much as New England dominated at a different level than the Colts did, obviously, winning those Super Bowls, in their era, and, and I guess that era still kind of continuing, depending on what happens here. But the point is, their run during their run, I, I think the, the Colts are going to have more household name, you know, Hall of Fame level players than the Patriots did, which is so right, interesting because they
0: churned through it so quickly. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good
1: point. It's interesting to me. It's like if you took those Colts stars and line them up against just in terms of names and line them up against, you know, the best players on those Patriots teams. You're taking the Colts, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. On an individual basis, you're like,
0: all right, yeah, give me that guy over that guy, you know? The Patriots did have a bunch of slouches. I mean, they did. Willie McGinnis.
1: They were really good Randy players. Moss
0: went in the Hall of Fame, but his yeah. best days were probably with the Vikings, although he did have, right. have that wild 2007. And I think, season, and I think we yeah, forget about
1: yeah. Randy because it was such a brief. Um, a, a brief run there in New England I mean, I, I always do that right. I always think about Randy and, you know, him and Dante Culpepper But you're right, yeah, he's, he's right. in there But I think the Colts, uh, their guys they were, they were their core guys, you know, throughout that era And it was just kind of different than uh, the New England run So, I mean, it's a compliment to Brady and Belichick, honestly Is what it is So, um, and, and certainly the role players they had Understanding their roles and playing those roles really well, too So, right. Anyhow, uh, I don't know how we got on that subject, but that was interesting to me. So, anyway, like I said, lots coming up. We've got Senior Bowl. Uh, it'll be the Combine before you know it. Super Bowl's coming up. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot going on. A couple Colts could still make the, the Pro Bowl. Ryan Kelly's in as well, so throw that yeah. name in there as well. Anthony Costanzo is an alternate, and depending on what happens in the <laughs> – Conference. Uh, that'll be interesting, right? I mean, does he go out on in the Pro Bowl? Uh, so, hey, anyhow, he is. Andrew Luck did. I know. Uh, so, Anthony Costanzo's on standby depending on whether they need him. We'll see how that goes here, but uh, keep that in the back of your head as well this weekend. So, uh yeah, lots to continue to talk about over the next weeks, and uh, we'll be there to uh, recap it all. So, thanks for listening. I'm steven Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is 1% Better. By the way, before we go, uh, check out The Athletic this week. Uh, some good stuff on there. The season's over. We still have lots of coverage. Uh, I thought Zach's piece on Quentin Nelson this week was really good. Uh, what is Quentin Nelson thinking after the season they just had? Well, he'll tell you. And uh, I also had a piece on Quincy Wilson, who I think was one of the biggest mysteries of this team this season. Uh, certainly yeah, not, for not sure. the foremost issue at all. I, I get that. But, but uh, among the most confusing in yes. terms of where he's at. What happened to him? What's his future? Uh, covered all that this week. If you're not a subscriber, uh, we've got a deal for you. Let's just go to the Athletic slash One Percent Better. O N E. One Percent Better. Get a forty percent discount off a subscription. In fact, so uh, we'd love to have you. So, anyhow, thanks again for listening. Uh, well, stay with us throughout the off season. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Keeper, and this is One Percent Better.